0: This podcast is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Some of us are natural-born thrill-seekers. Whether it be skydiving... Bungee jumping, extreme roller coaster rides, base jumping, or other ways of getting that adrenaline rush. Some people are just hooked on the exhilaration that comes with the almost paralyzing terror. Then comes the tremendous surge of relief and accomplishment. It's like we've stared death in the face and overcome our worst fears. Well, some of us are not built that way. We have a solid appreciation for Sir Isaac Newton's theory of gravity. Our feet are firmly planted on the ground at all times, and we like it that way. We shake our heads at adrenaline junkies, wondering what they could possibly gain, not only from scaring themselves half to death, but often spending hundreds of dollars on each occasion for the privilege. It hardly seems worth the rise in blood pressure. Still, we can't help but be fascinated by, and often admire, these thrill-seekers. Those who have a drive to defy gravity and push themselves to their mental limits by facing their fears and blocking out all distractions. It's all well and good to experience an extreme event that's over in a few seconds. But it's another thing entirely when the death-defying activity continues for nail-biting minutes on end. A true test of psychological endurance and stamina. This is what's at stake when we walk the tightrope. Whatever you do, don't look down. My name is Eric Crosby. Welcome to TRUE. There are actually multiple types of tightrope walking, including tightwire, highwire, and the sci-fi sounding skywalking. Tightwire is tightrope walking in its purest form, It's walking across a wire strung between two points. But performers often take it up a notch by juggling or using other props while making their way across the rope. This is what most commonly comes to mind when we think about the circus. Ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, welcome. High wire walking, as the name suggests, adds an increased vertical element with walkers attempting to cross on a wire at breathtaking and risky heights. Skywalking combines the most intimidating of both aspects. Performed outdoors, skywalkers attempt to cross a wire both at jaw-dropping heights and distances. Sometimes walkers use poles to help steady themselves while others go freestyle. Depending on a walker's level of confidence, and some may say sanity, they may have a safety net below. Or they can totally throw caution to the wind and have no backup plan in the event that they take their final misstep. But who came up with the crazy idea of traversing a wire hundreds of feet above the ground anyway? It might surprise you to learn that tightrope walking dates as far back as ancient Greece. Not quite as sophisticated as creating the concepts of democracy or mathematics, but hey, they had to have fun somehow. Despite the performers' fearless antics and their pursuits being labeled violent and life endangering, tightwire walking was never included in the ancient Olympics. Instead, the stomach churning activity was only considered entertainment and an educational tool alongside acrobatics. Like any ridiculous craze, the risky pastime of tightrope walking caught on in ancient Rome as well. In the Middle Ages, tightwire walking spread throughout Europe. Walkers performed at public events and before politicians and monarchs in many a royal court. By the late 18th century, tightwire walking had made its way to the United States. It was regularly performed all over the world atop public monuments and at grand theaters and playhouses as audiences were transfixed by the incredible sight. With the advent of the modern circus, tightwire walkers were incorporated into the regular cast of players. However, the opportunities for them to push themselves to their limits in the circus setting were few and far between. Enter Charles Blondin In 1859, Blondin became known the world over for being the first person to cross Niagara Falls on a tightrope. He managed to inch his way along 1,300 feet of rope only 2 inches in diameter, 160 feet above the churning water and certain death with only a 26-foot-long balancing pole as support. You'd think that after achieving an incredible goal at an iconic landmark, Blondin would have packed up his rope and retired. But he was hooked on Niagara Falls. He returned again and again. Not just twice or even three times, oh no. Charles Blondin crossed Niagara Falls an estimated 300 times, all without a safety net. On each occasion, he upped not only the ante, but the heart rates of those watching. The props he used became more and more daring. It wasn't enough for Blondin to simply cross the falls on stilts, or backwards, or at nighttime, all of which he did. Not only did he follow that up by completing the walk blindfolded, but at the same time he also pushed a wheelbarrow across the wire. He then crossed the falls with his arms restrained. On another occasion, either because he skipped breakfast or was exceptionally disciplined at meal planning, he carried across a portable stove to cook himself an omelette at the halfway point. Clearly, crossing the falls at any height builds up an appetite. Blondin's mind-boggling attempts drew massive crowds of up to 25,000 people. They not only clamored to watch history in the making, but wanted to see if they could come away richer from it. In a somewhat morbid exercise, it was common after so many crossings for spectators to place bets on whether Blondin would make it all the way across the falls or plunge to a watery death. Thankfully, the performer's life didn't come to a gravity-related end. With his feet firmly planted on the ground, he died at age 72 from diabetes. Over a century later, another fearless Frenchman by the name of Philippe Petit earned himself a reputation as a stunt high-wire walker. He was known for performing illegal walks across famous man-made structures. In 1971, Petit walked between the towers of Notre-Dame Cathedral on a self-rigged cable. The crowds below were delighted as he used his circus skills to entertain the astonished Parisians. But Gothic cathedrals were small fry. Petit was compelled to go bigger and better. It started out as another routine morning for a New York helicopter traffic reporter, but he had more to tell his radio listeners than how the traffic was on the West Side Highway. Up here at 1,500 feet or in that area, there is somebody out there in a tightrope walk between the two towers of the World Trade Center right at the tippy top. In 1974, the 24-year-old made the dangerous crossing between the twin towers of the World Trade Center in New York City. The distance was 140 feet, and it was 110 stories up. At the time, the towers were the tallest buildings in the world. Petit knew he would one day conquer them, and planned the walk for over six years. His planning was meticulous. He and his collaborators used a helicopter to get aerial photographs of the buildings. They made fake ID cards and claimed they were contractors working on the roof to sneak in and see the layout firsthand. They watched the arrival and departure times of the workers to see when the roof would be free. Petit even posed as a journalist with a French architecture magazine to interview the workers on the roof. The night before the crossing, Petit and his team needed to set up the wire between the two towers. They decided to do this by bow and arrow, first shooting across a fishing line which was attached to larger and larger ropes and wires. The last wire pulled across was 450 pounds and was the one Petit would cross. Shortly after 7 a.m. on August 7, 1974, Petit began his performance. For the 45 minutes he was on the wire, he danced, lay down, and saluted his audience. Sergeant Charles Daniels called it a first-rate performance. He was bouncing up and down. His feet were actually leaving the wire, and then he would resettle back on the wire again. And then he would go down on one knee and lay down on his back and put his hands behind his neck and just completely relax and swing one of his legs over the wire in a carefree uh, manner. Was he laughing and smiling? Well, not when he would do that, he would just lay there and relax as if he wanted to just take a little nap. As spectacular sights go, how would you rate this one? (laughs) Supreme, the apex of excitement. Once the walk was underway, Pettine knew it was only a matter of time before the police would be on the scene But Petit milked his moment in the sun for all it was worth, crossing back and forth between the two towers a mind-blowing eight times before being arrested. The trespassing charges were eventually dropped. Instead, Petit was required to perform a free show for children in Central Park. And, perhaps to encourage him to visit the towers in a more traditional way, he was given a lifetime pass to the observation deck. When Philippe Petit was questioned by the media about why he attempted something so outlandish, he responded, quote, There is, there is no, no why. why. Just uh, because uh, um, when, when I see a beautiful place to put my why, I cannot resist. His crossing was called the artistic crime of the century. In an interview almost 45 years after his nail-biting accomplishment, Petit explained, quote, I sat on the wire and I looked all the way down and I loved it because people were little ants. I will never forget that picture that I took in my head of that scene. It was beautiful and frightening and unique. The high wire should be a stage. I am on the wire in such a solid state that, yes, I can sprain my ankle uh, on the path downstairs. Yes, I can be uh, pushed by a truck because I forgot to look left and right when I cross the street. But on the wire, nothing can move me off the wire. So I don't have any reason to be fearing of something that cannot happen. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about we can't shy away from the fact that sometimes things go drastically wrong for tightwire walkers. The reality is that for even the most accomplished, it's still a calculated risk that doesn't always pay off. One unlucky soul who attempted to follow in the footsteps of many before him was Toncred Malay. The 32-year-old Frenchman was a well-renowned and incredibly popular daredevil, who was an experienced aerialist and base jumper. Millet decided it wasn't enough to walk a wire between two fixed objects. He successfully walked across a wire between the baskets of two hot air balloons. But 2016 would be the last time Millet would perform this particular trick, or any for that matter. During the course of preparing the balloons for takeoff at a performance in southern France, Millet became entangled in a line attached to one of the baskets. He tried to free himself, but the balloon lifted off the ground, taking the Frenchman with it. Millet fell 65 feet to his death. Another acrobatic legend whose passion became his downfall, so to speak, was Carl Wallenda. The world-famous German national was literally born into circus life, with a family history of performing dating back to the late 18th century. The performer was part of a well-established act known as the Flying Walendas. Not content with simply walking tightwires, the Walendas were known for their incredible acrobatic acts. Among their many crowd-dazzling tricks was the Seven-Person Pyramid. The pyramid involved four men standing on a wire 35 feet above the ground. These men had poles running between them, connected at chest level. On these poles stood another two men, who had a pole running between them as well. A chair was then balanced on top of this higher pole, and another person stood on top of the chair. Unfortunately, in 1962, the whole thing came crashing down. During a performance featuring the pyramid formation, one of the men on the bottom level lost his footing. Three of the men, including Carl's son, fell to the ground, while Carl and his brother, who were on the second tier, were fortunate enough to land on the wire. And the woman standing on top of the chair. She somehow landed on top of Carl, who managed to hold on to her until the group could be rescued. Sadly, two of the three men who made impact with the ground later died. Carl's son survived, but his injuries were so severe, he was left a paraplegic. As devastating as the accident was, the family kept performing. Tragically, 16 years later, in 1978, the Walendas would lose the most senior member of their troop. Carl had been performing for almost 60 years by this time, and preferred to do so without a safety net stating that it simply provided a false sense of security. He was performing a heart-stopping skywalk between two towers of a hotel in San Juan, Puerto Rico. The buildings were ten stories high, and Carl's wire was 121 feet above the ground. He was approaching the wire's halfway mark when strong winds made it almost impossible for him to keep his balance. Carl would have likely been able to take a moment to stabilize himself and wait for the winds to pass, had it not been for the unstable equipment used in the stunt. The rig's integrity was compromised to such a degree that after 30 seconds of wobbling, the 73-year-old lost his balance. Carl Walenda, the oldest of the famous high-wire walkers, was 73 years old when today, a wind stronger than he pulled him off the high wire to his death. In between the highs of the triumphs and the lows of those who will never again take to the high wire, are stories of the near misses. These are the tightwire walkers who stare death in the face and, either thanks to good luck or good training, were fortunate enough to barely escape with their lives. One such individual was a Chinese highwire artist who held the world record for crossing 328 feet in only 44.6 seconds. In 2012, he set out to break another world record challenge. He didn't just want to complete a televised high-wire crossing over a ravine in southern China. He wanted to do it backwards, while blindfolded, with no harness. 650 feet above the ground, he inched along the 2300-foot wire while holding a balancing pole. However, it was almost over before it began. Only minutes into his attempt, he started wobbling precariously and slipped. This caused him to drop his center of gravity, and hover in a sitting position on the wire. After a moment, and probably after a what the heck am I doing internal conversation, he regained his composure. He restarted his perilous crossing, much to the relief of spectators. Almost at the 53 minute mark, the end was in sight. But as with our fated friend, Carl Walenda, the wind proved to be the undoing for the Chinese acrobat, The crowd and commentators gasped as he lost his balance again and plunged from the wire, out of sight of the TV cameras. If ever there was a good time to cut to a commercial break, that was it. The fall was spectacular and horrible. But somehow, a moment later, he emerged from the undergrowth, He was miraculously alive and walking, and had only a few minor scrapes. The dense vegetation growing on the sides of the ravine had broken his fall. Thankfully, the only thing badly injured was his pride. If he'd fallen from the middle of the wire, it would have been a very different story he would not have been able to tell. In 2008, 27 year old Englishman John Ritson was by no means an amateur when it came to hovering hundreds of feet above the ground. He was a seasoned rock climber and experienced in the art of slacklining, a relatively new form of extreme tightrope walking created in the 1980s. Slacklining is similar to high wire or tightwire walking. It's performed at the same dizzying heights, with the same skills required. The most important of course being staying on the rope, closely followed by not losing your lunch in a spectacular fashion. But in slacklining, instead of a rope or cable, walkers creep their way along a flat length of nylon, similar to a ribbon. While this may sound like it offers greater security than traditional tightrope walking, it's important to note that the nylon line is only one inch wide. Ritson was hoping to break England's slackline record for both height and length. He set out between the pinnacles of Cheddar Gorge in the west of England on a 95-foot-long, 500-foot-high walk. But he had his work cut out for him. We know that high winds are a tight walker's nemesis, but Ritson also had to contend with typical British weather sweeping in from the coast, bringing heavy rain with it. Moments into his walk, he faltered and fell. But Ritson was thankfully fitted with a harness and safety rope and pulled himself back onto the slack line and set off again. In a true test of endurance, for the next three hours, he took tumble after tumble, repeatedly dangling above the 500-foot gorge. Coming to the realization that he'd bitten off more than he could chew, Ritson decided to call it a day. He told the Daily Mail, quote, I was okay mentally, but I had reached a physical block, so I decided to call it off and take a break. Tightrope walking continues to hold our imagination today. Renowned aerialist Nick Walenda, the great-grandson of Carl Walenda, is probably the most famous, having had his stunts broadcast on TV numerous times. Nick is a seventh-generation member of the Flying Wallendas, and has been professionally tightrope walking since he was 13 years old. Today, he holds 11 Guinness World Records for multiple acrobatic feats, including both the longest and highest bicycle ride on a high wire. In 2011, he and his mother performed the same crossing in Puerto Rico that killed his great-grandfather. In 2012, he crossed a wire strung directly across Niagara Falls an event that was the end result of a two-year legal battle involving both sides of the Canada and U.S. border for approval. Because it was a requirement of the TV channel live broadcasting the event, it was the first time in his career he wore a safety harness. You know, in the middle of the wire, at one point, I just started thinking about my great-grandfather and paying tribute to him and all the walks that he did and he was successful on. That's what this is all about, paying tribute to my ancestors and my hero, Carl Valenda. All of this is practically peanuts compared to his impressive crossing of the Grand Canyon in Arizona. To be clear, the crossing was just up the way at Little Colorado Gorge. Grand Canyon National Park was pretty quick to point out this stunt was not approved by them. The walk took 22 minutes, not bad for a 1,400 foot hike. And the wire was 1,500 feet above the Colorado River Nick did not wear a harness, despite winds projected to be around 30 miles an hour. He said, quote, It was way more windy, and it took every bit of me to stay focused the entire time. Walenda well, was slow and steady, surviving on just a 2-inch wide cable, 1400 feet long. That's more than a quarter of a mile, and 1500 feet off the ground, higher than the Empire State Building. One of the more talked-about highlights of Nick's crossing was his choice of attire. You may have expected him to be wearing an athletic outfit, something sleek and aerodynamic. But Nick crossed the Grand Canyon wearing a t-shirt and jeans. Proof you can wear this classic outfit anywhere. Nick's jeans blew up on Twitter, and it wasn't long before the company Buffalo stepped forward and announced it was their brand. Celebrating his impressive feet, they renamed the style he was wearing, the Nick. You're actually wearing the jeans right now that you walked across. I just touched them. The one, these went across that high wire. That's correct, yeah. I am. Um, Buffalo jeans, right? That's right, yeah, and I wear them just because they are very comfortable. And I want people to be able to relate to me. And yeah. I think if I was wearing something different. <laughs> Some super ex- high-wire suit. Exactly. Yeah. I think people would go, oh, he's different. But I want people to go, hey, he's a father of three. He's a husband. He's a son. He just has a very unique occupation. And jeans are OK to walk in. I mean, I kept wondering, are they going to catch well, or something I like that? Well, did How one of the be? biggest walks no. <laughs> in high- w- high-wire walking history in them. So yeah, they're all right. And so this company, Buffalo, they're actually like now touting this as the the Nick Jean. And they're, you guys are kind of in negotiations. We about, are, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah they we more outfit you and your family In March 2020, Nick Walenda completed his longest walk ever, an 1800-foot crossing over Masaya Volcano in Nicaragua, which he completed in an incredible 31 minutes and 23 seconds. These stories either inspired you to try your own hand at tightrope walking, or, like me, reaffirmed that there's absolutely nothing wrong with keeping your feet on the ground. There's a reason why the art of tightrope walking is left to a select few. It's all about balance, not only on the wire, but also between risk and reward, adventure and insanity, life and death. When you go on the high wire, you have fear. You absolutely have fear. I don't want anybody going on that wire because if he doesn't have any fear, he doesn't know what it means to it. We all fear. We all fear. We know what it is, what it means. There's danger underneath you. I still feel this is our life and we have to work on that wire. email us at podcasts at imperativeentertainment.com As always, a huge thanks for listening. I'll be back next week with another episode.